Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. Here, we'll be exploring the people side of successful businesses, careers, and lives. We all have a story to share, and there's something to be learned in every story. Join us to learn from authors, business leaders, thought leaders, and people just like you to uncover the latest ideas, resources, and tools to help you become more effective at work and life. As it turns out, the secret to success is cultivating winning relationships. Business is personal and relationships matter. So my guest this week is the amazing author and organizational management psychologist and speaker, Richard Citron. Richard has delivered over $1 billion. Yep, you heard that right. $1 billion of value to his clients over the years. And those clients include FedEx, Goodyear, Tire and Rubber, American Airlines, as well as many nonprofits and small and family-held businesses. He's authored three books, of which we're going to talk about one today, and over 40 professional articles. And I'm here today to talk with Richard about one of those books, The Resilience Advantage. So, Richard, give me a little bit of context. What was it that inspired you and resulted in The Resilience Advantage? Well, thank you, Morag. It's great to be on your show and be with your guests. And I love talking about resilience. And, you know, it's a very popular topic right now. You really can't get through the day without hearing somebody talking about resilience. Certainly, we're talking about it in relation to the pandemic and mm-hmm. hear about it from sports teams all the time. And and so it is something that I think is is on people's minds. And, and I really got interested in it uh, as a focused area, actually, after 9-11, when I was working with American Airlines, mm-hmm. I had the opportunity to work with their uh, flight attendants, captains, crew, call center staff for about three or four months after 9-11. And the story that I share in the book is about a flight attendant who was scheduled to fly to Paris about 10 days after 9-11 happened. And I I was just walking down the terminal. There weren't any people there, but that was part of what Mm -hmm. briefings were about to to just be available to people. And this woman was sitting in the corner and she was weeping. And I just went over and sat down next to her. And of course, we engaged in a conversation. I told her who I was. Of course, I didn't just randomly go there and sit next to her. Told her I'm a psychologist and I'm there to uh, on behalf of American Airlines and and as we chatted, we talked about all these feelings, grief, anger, sadness that she was experiencing. And over the course of our two or three hour conversation, at some point she had a personal transformation where she recognized that she had to take that flight to Paris that afternoon for herself, for her company, for her country, for her fallen comrades. Mm-hmm. I was so taken by how her inner strength just welled up through the tears, through all those emotions that she was having. She got up, gave me a hug and said, I'm off to do my flight. And I ran into her the next week and she said, it was so powerful that I just had that opportunity to talk with you and and discovered my own resilience. And that was the Mm -hmm. word that she used. And that's what got me kind of on this journey to study resilience Of course, we all have these events happen in our own lives as well as professionally. So we recognize that there is a innate part of us, a part of us that's hardwired into bouncing, bounce back and bouncing forward Mm -hmm. uh, in tough situations uh, so that uh, we learn from it. And in fact, that's by definition of resilience. It's much more to me than just bouncing back. It's, It's our ability to effectively plan for 
navigate successfully in real time and bounce forward from challenging and stressful situations in such a way that we learn from them. Okay. So I kind of create what I call a resilience continuum because it is about dealing with stress and challenges and adversity. Sometimes we can get ahead of the curve. We know it's happening. Yeah. Sometimes we're in the middle of it and it's tough. And what do we do to, to be mindful about it uh, so that we handle it appropriately? We don't get angry. We don't have a nervous breakdown or whatever might happen. And then the third part is how do we really do more than just bouncing back? We bounce forward. And that's a lot of what people are talking about during this pandemic phase is how do they use, how do they use the learnings from this situation uh, to do better as their organizations and companies move forward. And, and yeah. I imagine you found in your work that there's been a lot of emphasis on the people side of businesses supporting their staff uh, in relationship to remaining healthy, uh, you know, taking care of family, really putting the priorities around uh, people during the early phases of this pandemic. And I think that's going to pay tremendous benefits for businesses and individuals uh, as we yeah. move out of it. It's interesting. Again, when I'm sorry, excuse me, when it's foisted upon us, that focus on helping others navigate those stressful situations can take the spotlight off. What are we feeling in the moment? But I'm curious, Richard, because you actually start the book with a section talking about how the last 70 years of stress management training has actually left us stressed. So yeah. where have we gone wrong and what's different about the approach and tack that you're taking? Well, the difference is, you know, and I, I, in that opening chapter of the book, I actually take some responsibility for that because as mm -hmm. a psychologist, I had been doing stress management workshops yeah. for years. And what I talk about is the idea that you don't manage stress. Stress is a biological imperative. It's like gravity. In my workshops, I have people hold up a pen and drop mm -hmm. the pen. And what happens? It falls. Well, do it again. Why does it, it fall? Falls. It gravity, of course. Uh, by the way, the British deserve credit for that because Sir Isaac Newton discovered gravity. So I think gravity is, should be pat, you know, patented by the British. Okay. Uh, since they discovered it. But gravity is a, is a physical imperative. And, and stress, the stress reaction is a biological imperative. So when we get stressed, we get our, our heart rate increases, our hands get cold because blood rushes to the center of our body. We may get a little lightheaded. Uh, we feel that anxiety. We feel pent-up energy. That is the stress reaction that we have. You don't manage that. You don't control it in any way whatsoever. Really, it's better to just go with it and let it happen. Because the other side that isn't talked about in stress workshops is that the body has a natural reaction to recover from that stress reaction. <laughs> so you, you can't manage stress. Stress really manages you. And, and the body has a natural reaction to any kind of stressful event where it releases hormones mm -hmm. that put the body into an emergency state of being. And what is often not talked about in stress management workshops is the notion that the body has an equally powerful response to the stress, which is to help bring the body down. That's mm -hmm. the body's natural response to a stress reaction. And so what, that, what I think of that reaction as being is really our resilience. Our body's wanting to bring us back down to a state of calmness and evenness, that's, that, that's the notion of homeostasis, that the body seeks a balancing point. And that's much more you know, powerful way to think about stress than creating this anxiety and nervousness and, and pictures that we see with people with you know, smoke coming out of their ears around yep. stress. 
that does happen. And the body also works to bring that down naturally and biologically. So stress is a physical, is a biological imperative, much as gravity is a physical imperative. And yep. so we want to respect that natural, uh, that natural notion. And the idea of resilience is also hardwired into us. It's built into us. It's the body's natural response after a stress event has passed. So I always tell people, we don't have to uh, develop your, your resilience or build your resilience. We really want to strengthen it because it's already a part of who you are. It's already built into our DNA. So you described there, you know, like smoke coming out of my ears. That's one reaction that one might have to a stress event. But I'm curious, what are the triggers today in the 21st century in your average office environment or work environment? What are the things that are triggering employees every day? Well, you know, anything that changes or or counters the way we think about situations, anything that's unexpected, you know, stress itself, a stressful situation is basically neutral. It's just an event that's happening. It's how we perceive it that makes all the difference in the world. And so when we have situations that create change, uncertainty, uh, bring mm-hmm. about different ways of approaching things, for many people, these are difficult challenges to navigate. That may precipitate a stressful reaction to a situation. And, you know, for a manager, you can often see that with employees because they have a physical Reaction: Their face may get flush. Uh, mm-hmm. Their hands may, you know, they may cold you know, and clammy. <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily be touching them, but you may see that reaction certainly in their face, or they may feel chilled a little bit. And so, as a manager, you can see that. As an employee, you want to also recognize that that can happen, and and that's why my definition of resilience, I think, is important. You know, in 2010, after a successful 15-year career in healthcare. I was laid off from a senior corporate position uh, at, at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center mm-hmm. where I had working. Of course, it turned out to be great, but at the time, it wasn't great. Didn't feel so much. It didn't feel so much. And when I went into my boss's office that morning, a morning I knew they were that we were laying off people because I was laying somebody off in my in my division. I walked in and I saw our human resource specialist sitting there, and I went, "Uh huh." There. But at that moment, I probably should have realized that something was happening. And even with a few minutes to kind of collect my thoughts before he shared the news with me, I could have perhaps been a little better prepared. But given the the way it happened, probably not. And I was cool about it. I mean, I didn't lose it. I was obviously upset. Uh, But I was able to bring myself and be mindful about what was happening so that I recognized that, that these are things that happen in the world even though it had never happened to me before. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I think if we can be more, you know, if we can work on being present in the moment, be more mindful, uh, and, and also prepare for situations when we anticipate that there could be a possibility that something like this would happen. And I imagine you do this in your executive coaching. I certainly do, where I'll say to an employee, okay, you have a meeting with your manager about a project that you're working on. What are the five different possibilities that could happen in this meeting? Mm-hmm. Let's walk through each one so that we can consider what the options are that you want to play out. Yep. So we can use preparation to to manage and mitigate that stress. So you're right. You're reducing the volatility. We're anticipating and choosing how to respond versus being trapped by reacting in the moment. So how would I know whether or not I'm resilient in the first place, or at least how resilient am I? 
Well, the research is interesting on this. About 40% of, of the population are highly resilient, um, that they, they deal with situations very gracefully and easily and comfortably, and they, they bounce back and even forward pretty well. The rest of us, I think, are, are varying levels of it. The best way to think of it is to think about your past experiences with what you've had before and where you've had challenges and how you've met those challenges mm. to see how effective you are and to look at family members even to see how well they handle different kinds of challenges. Uh, you know, it's interesting, after my career kind of debacle in 2010, it took me about six months to really get my footing. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I wish I'd have taken two months off with my wife and just gone to <laughs> tour Europe for two months. Yeah. I was too nervous thinking I had to get a job. Uh, and so it took me, you know, as I said, about six months to get my level uh, after that. Uh, but after I found my way and really began thinking, what did I want to do? Things became amazingly positive and powerful for me and led me to have my solo consulting practice, which has been fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and the one have, billion of value that you've brought the for the clients. Value. Exactly, which they love and I'm happy about. I've got a very mm-hmm. small percentage of that, but I still have a small percentage of that. And so yeah. uh, I think we, we want to look at our past experiences and see how we've handled those situations and ask others, how mm-hmm. have you seen me deal with crises before? So you talked earlier and mentioned the phrase resilience continuum. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so the resilience continuum is, is the way I think about the, the resilience event occurring for us, which is, again, most people think about resilience as being something that happens after an event occurs. Right. I resilience closely into the notion of, of how we deal with stress and challenges and adversity. And so if we think about dealing with those more effectively, we want to think about this notion of preparing ahead of time, anticipating potential stressful events, navigating or dealing with them in real time. How can we do that more effectively? And then the bounce forward, which is what is the learning that I'm going to take out of this situation for this experience? I'm going to be able to use to advance my career, help our business grow, find new business opportunities for myself. So when we start thinking about that continuum, then we begin to anticipate the stressful or challenging situations and how they're going to impact us. Mm-hmm. We think ahead. Of course, if we can get ahead of it, it's always better. And, and an example I like to use is when we work out. Uh, you know, some people like to work out in the morning. Some people like to work out in the evening. Uh, morning people besides being righteous about getting their workout in by (laughs) 7 o'clock, also have this sensation that they'll say, I feel stronger as a result of that early morning workout. Afternoon people will say, I kind of burnt my stress off. Morning people feel stronger, and that stronger is part of that preparation phase that I talk about, is how can we kind of arm ourselves or get stronger or build our resilience up so that when we're ready to face the challenges of the day, we're a little better prepared, a little better... um, uh, we've done more thinking about how we want to address those kinds of challenges. So your your advice for around resilience is it's something that we invest and reflect on outside of the stressful events so that we can pull on that toolkit just in that moment when the situation is going sideways or whatever it is that's happening yes. right then. Absolutely. Yet we can't always do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people, you're, you're going to have a client who's going to call you up and say, uh, you know, you sent an email out to uh, – uh, an employee, and it contained employee information on somebody else that was privileged. You're going to have those situations happen, uh, which are you know, uncontrollable and just the nature of business and life. 
uh, and the more we can also learn to be comfortable or to stay in the moment with that situation, uh, the, the less we have stress impact the negative thinking that we may have. That was my fault. I, 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 how was I supposed to know it was attached to that email? Yeah. Gosh, that's, I, I made that mistake. What can we do to remedy it? So does stress always come with negative connotations or things, as I used the phrase earlier, things going sideways? Is that always what triggers this and the need for resilience? Or can it be on a positive note too? We talk about the notion of, of positive stress or eustress, E-U stress as well. And the idea that um, you can have good things happen to you. So you might have the marriage of a of a child or a successful career change mm -hmm. uh, that you're experiencing. Those kinds of things can certainly create a, a stressful relation, a stressful experience as well. Maybe a little bit more around, you know, anxiety in that situation, but we still have that kind of positive experience. And their resilience comes into play because what we want to be able to do is to enjoy the moment. Yeah. To experience it in its fullness and to recognize that, you know, this is also part of the pleasure and delight uh, that we have and want to get out of out of life. Yeah. You talk about navigating stress gracefully. Do you have a story anecdote of a leader who did and or did not manage to demonstrate resilience gracefully? Yes. Let me think about this for a second. So I do have a situation. I, I was working with a an organization that had just gone through a leadership change and had a lot of the next level leaders in there who were underperforming in how they had to work. And it was a transition period. So the old CEO was still there as a consultant with the new CEO. And the old CEO was someone who had kind of kept these people on board because they had been there for 20 years or so. But in my consultation with the new CEO, she recognized that these people were not performing very, very effectively, that she needed to have them leave. And she had to figure out a way to present this to the old CEO and to her staff in such a way that she wasn't look like she, she wasn't looking like she was, um, you know, beheading the entire leadership team. Mm -hmm. And what she chose to do was to meet with each person individually and to share with them what her thinking was, where she was focused on the organization's best interests, and how she could make it comfortable and successful for them to move on, whether it was for some of the older ones a retirement package, mm -hmm. some of the mid-level or people who had been there, you know, were not ready to retire, letters of support, even helping them to find uh, jobs through job placement situations. And everyone was, I think, concerned. They, they knew something was going to happen, and they were concerned about how these two or three different leaders would handle it. But because she anticipated the possibility, of course, of a damaging situation, she intervened by reaching out to people individually. She was wonderful interpersonally. And that made the situation work very, very well. And for years, she's told me that that was the most important thing she had ever done, not only making the business change, but in how she handled it. Because she demonstrated to everybody in the organization that she cared about people, she was concerned about their well-being, but first and foremost would be her focus on the success of the business. Okay. So what are some of the first steps that I can take then to nurture and increase my own personal resilience level? Well, the first piece is to make sure that you recognize that you are resilient. As I said earlier, okay. think back to situations where you've had positive resilience situ experiences 
where you've been successful in overcoming some kind of adversity and challenge. Okay. The, the next thing to think about is to build it to build your strengths, your resilient strengths around those three areas: preparation, navigation, and bouncing forward. In preparation, you want to think about things like exercise and fitness, eating well, getting enough sleep. All of these things are things that help us to be physically strong. And if we're physically strong, we can be more mentally alert mm-hmm. as well. In the navigation phase, this is where mindfulness comes into play. And I have to share with you that I've been doing a lot of work with CEOs and senior leaders right now around mindfulness. In fact, I've started doing uh, a resilient mindfulness uh, session uh, on, on uh, for clients and for really anybody. They can sign up on my website for it or my LinkedIn page on it. Uh, where I'm offering a 8 o'clock to 8.40 in the morning on Fridays, a little early in Colorado. Uh, but I had a friend from California who signed up. Yeah. And I'm doing just a 20-minute mindfulness meditation, introducing meditation and mindfulness to people. Because I think this is part of our birthright of how we can focus and learn to focus our attention. And I talk about the fact that mindfulness and meditation is not an Eastern philosophy. It exists in every religious uh, orientation, but even more than that, it's a biological phenomenon. When you're walking in the woods or you're playing with your child or grandchild and you're having that moment of joy and pleasure, cooking, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you do that, that allows you to enrapture yourself within it, that's being mindful. And so this is a great way. Mindfulness and meditation is a great way to help you stay in the moment, help all of us stay in the moment. And I've been doing this. In fact, I'm going to a session with a client this afternoon, a workshop I'm doing for an organization. And we're going to, we're starting off our sessions with five or 10 minutes of mindfulness just to bring everybody into the room and focused on what we're doing. I like that. Cause I think in the modern day, we, we have just conditioned ourselves to run, 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 run. And you talked earlier on about in terms of developing resilience, it's anticipating the triggers. It's being the best you can be in the moment and then reflecting, pausing, So that mindfulness is like the bookend of a successful, resilient leader is do I think about it in a head, but did I reflect and learn so I could change my game the next time around? Exactly. And and that's the bouncing forward part. Mm -hmm. The military does something they call an after action review. Right. Companies will do a post hoc analysis. You want to be thinking about that for the organization, for the team, and also for yourself. How did I perform in that meeting? Did I contribute or was I on my device? Mm-hmm. Was, I, was I attentive? Uh, you know, I think these, these kinds of small actions and, and awarenesses that we can take for ourselves and for others on our team are very powerful. And then changing our behavior afterwards. Because as you know, when you, as a change agent, as a coach, uh, reflection and understanding is really the key for leaders making a successful change. We want to be thoughtful in our, in our responses, in our reactions to how we've handled different situations. That requires yeah, yeah. taking the time afterwards. I had a client who would do five at five after five. Which Say more about that. Well, it was, it was on Friday afternoon at five o'clock, five okay. minutes to five. Uh, he would take five minutes to evaluate how his week was and what he did well and what he could have done better. And mm-hmm. that became a very powerful entree into the weekend, finishing his day on Friday, finishing his week, and thinking about what successes he had and where were the opportunities for him to have perhaps done a little bit better. 
five at five at five. Okay, I like that one. So you've talked about your weekly meditation that you offer. You've taught the Friday at five, but also I believe you've got a resilience advantage questionnaire yes. that I downloaded. So can you say a little bit more about that? I'll make sure all of this information is included in the bio around the video, but yes. what's the questionnaire going to show me? Yeah, so so on my website, citroenconsulting.com, there's a whole set of links uh, around resilience. There's a resilience questionnaire. There's a resilience workbook. And what the resilience questionnaire does is provide people the opportunity to assess themselves in these three qualities, preparation, navigation, and bouncing forward. See where you're strong. It gives you a total resilience score. And then it also helps you to see where I can maybe do a little better on preparation or where I'm a little better on navigation or where a little better on bouncing forward. And in fact, out of that, uh, I built a digital solution for resilience, which is a 21-day experience. Uh, it takes about two minutes per day uh, to walk through these experiences on resilience uh, through, uh, through messaging that you get on your iPhone or on your Android device. And then it takes you to a, cloud, uh, a cloud-based platform uh, where you have a little interaction uh, and have a chance to write down and reflect a little bit on your resilience responses and different strategies you can learn to be more resilient. That is on that site as well. So questionnaire and then the workbook is another way you can work through uh, the resilience experiences to kind of put it down on paper, the steps you're going to take to strengthen your own resilience. So, Richard, we've talked about mindfulness. We've got the questionnaire is going to give me at least a stake in the ground, a little uh, baseline assessment of my resilience skills. What are one or two things that people listening to this can do right now to start building their resilience? Well, I'm going to reiterate it again because I think it is so vital. The first one is to think about the successes you've had. Those become your anchors. Those become the places where you can say, I've overcome adversity and challenge here, and this has helped me to recognize that I can be strong as I move forward. The other piece, which is another kind of mental note, is that we have a negativity bias. We have a bias to protect against the worst possible outcome. It's primitive. It's a primitive part of our brain operating. You're walk, walking on the savanna 5,000 years ago, concerned uh, hunting for a woolly mammoth mm-hmm. by making sure the saber-toothed tiger isn't behind yeah. you. Uh, so that negativity bias protects us. And that oftentimes becomes something that can overwhelm us, create actually more stress for us. I call it the double dump sometimes. We we make a mistake and then we feel bad about the mistake. Yeah, ruminate on it. Mm-hmm. We ruminate on it. So be careful about that and, and minimize the amount of negativity that you bring into your world, even to the case if there are people who are negative in your life. Move them out as much as you can because they will drag us down as well. So thinking about successes we've had, mitigating the negatives as much as possible. And I think, you know, I think the simplest way to really strengthen our resilience beyond what we think is to really build our physical fitness, to really focus on uh, the the exercise, the nutrition, and perhaps most importantly around sleep uh, so that we have that physical strength and that's going to help us to be stronger mentally and emotionally as well. I love it, Richard. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I appreciate the insights that you have here. So the Resilience Advantage, available from all good bookstores, I am sure, independent and national. Um, But how do people get hold of you if they want to learn more about the work that you've been doing? 
will certainly come to my website, Citroen Consulting, C-I-T-R-I-N, or they can email me at Richard at Citroen Consulting. But please go to my website and check it out. There's particularly around resilience. There's a ton of different activities for organizations. I have something called Resilience Bingo, uh, which is a you know, one day, a 30 day <laughs> challenge of different activities people can do uh, to build resilience. All of those are free uh, as, a, as well as lots of other information on, on resilience, but I'd love, I've been doing webinars, I've been doing a ton of webinars and speaking mm-hmm. to groups uh, during this time of the pandemic. I've done resilience assessments where I've been interviewing or using a structured interview with big organizations around how their employees are dealing uh, with resi- with being resilient through crisis, which I think is very important these days. And that's been a, a ton of fun and great learning uh, for everybody. And it's really helped organizations to address these challenging times right now. All right. Well, Richard, I've really enjoyed today's conversation about the resilience advantage. I'd love to schedule a second conversation. Let's talk about your newest book and then uh, we can continue that conversation then. But thank you. All right. Thank you so much. It's been great to join you. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.